Welcome everyone to the final week of our Owning It series. And thank you for joining us at both of our locations and everybody that's joining us online. We are so glad that you could be with us today. I have the privilege of speaking from our Oak Ridge location and getting to spend some time with some people this weekend in our church that I typically don't get to see, so I'm enjoying this. And Kernersville, I'll be back with you next weekend as we start a brand new series that we'll tell you a little bit more about in just a little bit. Back in the 1990s, the late 1990s, my wife Donna and I moved our tiny little family at the time to the Charlotte area, North Carolina, to plant a new church. We felt like that's what God was leading us to do and calling us to do, and we were excited to do that. And um, our oldest daughter, Morgan, was three, almost four, and Donna was pregnant with Maggie. So we, we moved, and I tell you what, we, we were starting from nothing, and we struggled a lot. We struggled greatly financially, and specifically because we were raising our own support, kind of like missionaries. And so we were starting from scratch in every way and had very little in terms of material things, uh, financial things. In fact, um, even though we may not have been fully aware of it then, looking back on it now and doing a little research, we were living below the poverty level of, of that area back in the late 90s. So things were, things were tight, but we made a decision. We made a decision early on in our marriage and continued it, even when we moved there to plant this church, that we were going to continue to honor God financially to the best of our ability, and we were going to continue to give. We were going to find ways to honor God financially and continue to give and just trust God to take care of us. And that was not an easy decision some months, but we, but we determined to do it. And I can't begin to explain to you how we saw God come through for us, how God blessed us and took care of us. In fact, let me just give you a couple of highlights. And I'm really just summarizing here because this is just, just the tip of the iceberg to some of the things that God did. Um, back then, we had one vehicle moving to the Charlotte metro area. Uh, my office at the time was about 30 minutes away from where we were living. And so Donna was without a vehicle with um, you know two little girls, and, and uh, Maggie then was a baby. And someone noticed that. We hadn't said anything about it. We were making do the best we could. We know a lot of people have one vehicle, and if you just figure it out, right? But somebody noticed that and they decided, without us saying anything or asking, oh my goodness, we would have never asked for anything like this, but somebody noticed that and bought us a gray Dodge Caravan for about 2500 bucks. It leaked a lot of oil, and the transmission was constantly a challenge. But we drove that thing for over three years. It was a huge blessing to us, giving us the ability to have a couple of vehicles there as we were getting started in those early days of that new church. Now, here's another example of how God just blessed us in ways we couldn't have even imagined. Uh, that was during the period of time when a lot of people were beginning to get home computers. If you could think back to then, right? You had computers at the office, but not everybody. And, and a lot of people didn't have computers at home. And, and, and somebody took note of that, I guess. And we had said nothing. We didn't make a big deal about it. Somebody came to us one day and said, we want to buy you a computer. We feel like God 
wants us to buy you a computer. We bought a bunch for our business, so we bought an extra one for you. Here you go. Amazing. Here, here's one more. Here's one more. We had uh, one of our cars uh, a couple of years later break down, and it was going to be about a $300 car repair. And we didn't have it. We just simply did not have it. And it was going to have to sit until we figured something out. I'm not quite sure what it was, water pump or something, uh, fuel pump, water pump, one of those pumps. Anyway, we had no idea where the $300 was going to come from. And we had said nothing about it. We had just realized that, and we prayed about it. And we were like, babe, I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to figure this out. But we, we have no clue how we're going to pay for this repair. Well, the very next day, I took our, our working car to the office and I always lock my doors. Always, always, always lock my doors. I, I'm just real particular about that. But for some reason, this day, I, I went into the office for a couple hours and forgot to lock my door. I came out to go to a lunch appointment and opened, and, and again, let me stress this, we said nothing to no one, not even family, about this need. I opened the, the car door, and there was an envelope. No writing, anything. No indication of where it came from, who did it. There was an envelope in my car seat with three $100 bills in it. I can't explain that. Other than the fact that God took care of us for doing our best to honor him financially, honoring him in giving. Now, now that's just the financial stuff. If I had time, I could get into the stuff that money can't even really qualify or, or describe. The, the moments, the precious moments and memories that we had during those years of trusting God. The, the moments that matured us and where we learned the benefit, tangible benefits of trusting God enough to give. Now, I told you at the beginning of this series, this was not a series. Even though it was a series about money, it was not a series about giving. And it hasn't been, even though giving is a part of it. But I do want to let you know today, that is what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about giving. And immediately, if you find yourself feeling a little tense or a little upset, or you're like, oh, this is, I, I knew it, I don't know. Okay, first of all, take a deep breath, and I want you to check your heart and check your attitude when it comes to this. Because it's a heart issue, it's a spiritual issue, above all other things, and we saw that already in this series but maybe you've been kind of wounded or hurt or disappointed or let down by how the topic of giving financially has been handled in church, churches in, in the past. And, and maybe you're just real sensitive to that. Here's the deal. My goal today is simply to talk about what Jesus said and to unpack that and apply that. And so I, I think we're going to learn a lot together and, and see and see together. One of the challenges that we face uh, when it comes to money, is, is, is simply this. We tend to overestimate the value of having and underestimate the value of giving. We overestimate the value and the importance of having things, having stuff. Um, you could apply that to our needs. Sometimes we you know, overestimate what we feel like we need, but because we have a hard time uh, determining the difference between needs and wants, we really overestimate uh, having what we want, right? And then we underestimate the value of giving, of honoring God financially. We overestimate the value of what we feel like we need, what we want with our possessions and stuff, and we underestimate what God will do, 
what God can do, what God wants to do, even plans to do, and how he wants to bless us in response to financial giving. This is a huge distinction, how we overestimate and then underestimate. And we do it without even realizing that we're doing it. But this is one of the challenges that we face when it comes to our money that Jesus is going to help us with as we begin to unpack one of the things he taught in the first century when he was on earth. Now, up to this point, we've been talking about what Jesus taught about money, specifically in the most famous sermon he ever gave, the Sermon on the Mount. And and we've been talking about what Jesus said in that sermon for the first three weeks. Now, this final week, this is something else Jesus said. It wasn't in this sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, per se. It was at a different time when he was having a conversation with some of his followers, specifically about finances and, and things of that nature. And he was actually teaching a principle, a principle that he applied to several different things, including giving, and this is what the principle. Jesus taught this principle that what you do comes back to you. The principle that applies across the board in so many different parts of life, that what you do has a tendency to come right back to you, sometimes immediately, but always eventually. What you do, how you behave, how you live, has a way of coming back to you. How you treat other people has a way in time, it just does. It's hard to see this on the front side, but looking back, you can see this happen to you time and time again. How you treat others has a way of coming right back to you. It's a principle, overarching principle. And Luke records this in, in how Jesus taught this principle and applied it to a couple different things. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6 that when you judge people, how you go about judging people and passing judgment on others will come back to you. How you judge them is how you are going to be judged. What you do comes back to you. He also applied it to how we are often very condemning to other people. Yeah, we are um, very quick to form assumptions and conclusions, and we often condemn others, it, even though we may not have all the information. Jesus said, when you do that, be careful, because that's going to come back to you. You're going to experience the same kind of thing that you're dishing out to other people. And so this principle certainly applies on the negative side, but what Jesus wants us to also understand that it applies on the positive side as well. Jesus said what you do comes back to you in terms of how you forgive other people. When you forgive people, you have a tendency to experience forgiveness. And that how you go about forgiving others will eventually come back to you because eventually you're going to need it too. And then Jesus even makes this application when it comes to giving, and he says this. Give, and it will be given to you. See, what you do comes back to you. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. In other words, when you give, this principle, what you do comes back to you, kicks into effect, and you need to know, and Jesus wants us to know, that when you give, 
It's coming back. So expect it. In fact, it's not just coming back. Jesus said that when you give, it will be maximized. That's, that's the pressing down and making room for more. It will be maximized and then returned back to you. Now we'll talk about what that return looks like and what it doesn't look like and all of that. But one of the things I find most interesting here is when Jesus used this word measure and he talks about the measure you use when you give. Now everybody in his audience back then knew exactly what he was talking about. Sometimes in modern days we miss this. Okay. But basically what Jesus is getting at is how you go about giving will determine how it comes back to you. In other words, if you're going to be really stingy, the measure, if you're a small measure, stingy measure, the way you go about it, if you're really stingy, they don't expect a lot coming back to you. But if you're generous, then you can expect a generous return. That's what that whole measure thing is all about. In fact, what Jesus was actually doing was tapping into a concept and a principle that all of us are familiar with that the Apostle Paul began to teach uh, later on, a couple of decades, a few decades later, actually, to the early church, the first church. And he spells this out in Galatians chapter 6. But this is something that even non-Christian people, people who don't even go to church, have heard this phrase, and we use this phrase. This is a common phrase, and a lot of people don't even realize that um, it's a Bible, a biblical New Testament phrase. And this is what Jesus was tapping into when he said this. You reap what you sow. The measure you use in giving will come back to you in that same way. Give, and it'll be given to you. What you do comes back to you. You will reap what you sow. And we know how that works. Yes, that's an agricultural term. That is a farming analogy, but we all get it. You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. You reap after you sow, and you reap more than you sow. If you plant corn, you don't get beans, right? If you plant corn, you don't get oranges. If you plant corn, you get corn. And you get more corn than you planted. Sometimes it takes a while, right? But it comes back to you. You reap what you sow. And the same is applicable here when it comes to finances. It's not just negative things. Often this term, you reap what you sow, is said in the context of negative. Like, you better watch out. You reap what you sow. Like, you know, and that is true. You better watch out the way you're talking, the way you're living, the way you're doing whatever. It's going to come back on you, and that's certainly the case. But it's also something that applies on the positive as well. That's why Jesus applied it to forgiving people and then giving financially. You will see it come back. On the positive side, you can expect God to bless you for honoring Him with your finances and your giving. Now, it doesn't always come back to you the way you expect it. It doesn't always come back to you when you expect it. But Jesus was clear. You can expect it. What you do comes back to you. Give, and it's going to be given to you. And the way you go about it will determine the way it comes back to you. You will reap what you sow. See, this is just, this is just wonderful how our Heavenly Father knows us. How our Heavenly Father knows me and 
He knows you and he knows how we think as human beings and he knows what motivates us. He knows that as human beings, we want to be blessed. We desire his blessings. That's why Jesus talked about this. We all want to be blessed with good things. We all want to be blessed with more than we have. Now, yes, we got to be careful with our, with our motivations. We talked about that last week, you know, the why behind it. Yes, we always have to pay attention to the motives and, and what is driving us to do things like give. And we want to always be aware of the, of the gut behind what we do financially. But even then, even though we can take it too far, it is okay to want God to bless you. And it is okay to be motivated by the desire to be blessed. Or else Jesus wouldn't have told us. If Jesus did not want us to want to be blessed, he would not have told us to expect to be blessed. If Jesus did not want us to be motivated by the fact that if we give, it'll come back to us, then he wouldn't have told us that when we give, we can expect it to come back to us. See, our Heavenly Father knows how we're thinking. And the simple fact is just God intends on blessing us when we give to the degree in which we give. It is God's plan and God's desire to bless us when we honor him and give financially to the degree that we do. Because, see, the measure is important. How we go about it is important. Now, he did not go into detail on how he was going to bless us and how it would come back to us. He kind of left that open, and I think he did that by design. It allows God the uh, element of surprise. It allows God the element of, here's a, uh, a $2,500 van that you didn't think um, was coming your way, or here's a home computer, or, you know, hey, you know what? You left your car door unlocked. <laughs> I got you. Here's $300 to repair your other car. You see, God didn't tell us how that was going to happen. Never in a million years would I have seen those things happen, but they happen. And the same in your life, in my life, in our lives, in more ways than we know, and probably, to be honest, more ways than we can handle. It will come back to us. I think what Jesus is really getting at here is he wants us to understand that giving is just simply transformational. That bottom line, giving is transformational. Transformational not just for what you have, because it certainly is, because it'll change what you have. You know, we, we, we think it's about having less, right, because we, we overestimate the having but we underestimate what happens when we give. And, and it's transformational in what you have because eventually you'll have more. God will bless you beyond what you had before. But it's not just transformational in what we have financially. It's transformational in who we are and who we become. Another way to say it is that giving simply changes people. It simply changes you. It does something on the inside of you, something in your heart, something in your spirit, in ways. Here, here's, what, here's what we got to get. When you think of God's blessings and how it comes back to you when you give, it happens in ways that often cannot be measured in financial terms, in financial ways, in ways that money can't buy, in ways that money can't quantify in, in ways that you can't even measure financially. 
the maturity it brings to your life, the growth that it brings in your life, how you learn how to trust, the the things it does in your relationship with God, uh, the favor that it brings in your life to other people. I mean, I could go on and on and on, things that you can't put a price tag on, blessings that you can't buy at a store, blessings that don't come your way through Amazon, right? The giving is just transformational. It changes you. It it does something in you that is just hard to describe. You have to experience it yourself to understand it. Another way to look at this is, I've seen this a lot, is that giving brings joy to people. It adds meaning to life. It brings a depth to their experience. And and another way to look at it, it's it's just fun. People who are generous have more fun in life. They live with purpose. They experience meaning because they understand how transformational giving is in their own lives. And it's a win-win. You're giving to others. You're giving to things beyond you. You're giving to God. And then in return, just like Jesus said, it comes back. It comes back in ways that you may never have ever expected. When I, when I talk about generosity and giving and the joy and the purpose and the meaning it brings, I almost always go back to when um, years ago, our youngest daughter, Maggie, was about four, five, six years old. I mean, you're talking about a kid that just loved to give, just the most generous kid. And here's how we figured this out. We would have people over. People were all, were all the time back in those days in our home, um, in the early days of, of, of the summit and, and leading groups and meeting with people and, and all this kind of stuff. We did things back then that we could never ever begin to do and keep up with, with all of that nowadays. But I look back on those early days and had a lot of people in our homes, a lot of kids coming over, a lot of families with their kids, Maggie's age coming over. So Maggie had lots of people to play with. Then we began to notice that as people left our home, after they had been there with us or a group had left or whatever, that these kids that Maggie had been playing with were walking out the door carrying some of Maggie's stuff. Maggie was giving away her toys. And, and we would say, Maggie, what are you doing? She said, they need it. Oh, they need it. I want them to have it. They, they just, I want them to remember they had a good time when they were here. And they really need it, Dad. Mom, they really need it. And, and she would just start giving her toys away to every kid that comes by to play and spend any time. Out the door they go with a gift because Maggie just got the biggest kick out of it. Well, eventually, Donald was like, okay, we got we to gotta figure this out to, to help her with this, but in a way that she's not giving away uh, all her stuff and she's going to want to play with later. So Donna had this great idea. Donna took her to the dollar store and bought a bin and let her fill the bin up with all of this stuff that she could completely and freely, at her own volition, give away to any of her friends that came over. And man, that giving bin brought her so much joy and so much excitement. And it was so fun to watch her little generous heart. And she's still generous as a young woman, newly married today. But that's what it makes me think of. I mean, just people who give live life at a different level, not because they have more, but because they understand the transformational principles of giving 
in their lives. As a pastor, I'm telling you, I want people to experience this. I want you to experience this. I want you to give so that you can experience for yourself what it does for you and in you. In fact, I like saying it like this. You never know what God can do for you or in you until you experience what God can do through you. And you might want to take a picture of that, not because I said it, because things I say, I, I say lots of stuff. But I want, th- this is something I, I want you to come back to and, and meditate on this and think about this. I believe this is true with every fiber of my gut. You will never know what God will do, wants to do, can do for you and in your life until you are willing to experience what he can do, wants to do, and will do through your life until you open yourself up as a conduit for his blessing. Not just to other people, but back to you. And there's many ways that this can be experienced. Not just in terms of financial giving, but I will tell you this, one of the primary ways to experience what God can do through you and then begin to experience as a result what he wants to do for you and in you because Jesus said when you give, it's coming back. One of the primary ways is through financial giving to see how God wants to work through you. You never know what God will do. You just never know. But let me ask you a question. Don't you want to know? I mean, like, aren't you just dying to find out what God might do in your life, what God might do for you? If you open yourself up to allow him to work through you in terms of financial giving, I'm telling you, it's it's amazing because I've experienced it in my own life. I want you to experience it. And, and, And let me clarify something. It's not just about giving money to the summit. If you think that's what's motivating this, you are sadly mistaken. It's just being generous in general. Yes, if you love the summit and the summit is your home church and and, and this is where you're connected, it makes sense to give and honor God here because so many opportunities to do that. But I mean to any organization that's doing the work of God, just become a giver. Just be generous and see. See if this is not true. See if it doesn't begin to come back to you in ways that you never imagined. See. What God wants to do for you and in you as you experience what God wants to do through you. And and to be quite honest, I can't imagine why anybody wouldn't want to figure this out. Why anybody wouldn't want to know. Why anybody wouldn't want to try it. And that's why we've been giving you and talking about over the last few weeks this 60-day giving challenge. By the way, which is still an opportunity for any of you. You haven't missed out. It's just a 60-day period that, you know, you can start taking that challenge at any time. All you got to do is scan that QR code in the seat back pocket in front of you or go to our website or app. There's information there on the giving challenge, the 60-day giving challenge. But that's what this is about. We want people to experience it for themselves. And we are so confident that it will come back to you That what you do and how you give will come back to you. And we are so confident that it will be transformational. And we are so confident that you will begin to see and experience God do things through you. That we're saying, listen, you got nothing to lose. If you don't see it, for some reason, if you don't experience it, we'll give you all your money back. Yeah, you got nothing to lose. We got nothing to lose. God's got nothing to lose. Nobody's got anything to lose when we honor 
God's principles for giving financially. At, at the beginning of, of this, I, I shared with you, you know, kind of my story and, and what we've experienced. And you would expect that. I'm sure you, you would expect me, the pastor guy that's doing the teaching, to say, hey, this has worked for me. Hey, I've experienced this. And so, so maybe you're going, yeah, 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 that's exactly what I thought you would say. So, so what I want to do is, for the last few moments, is I want you to hear from a couple of people who sit in the seats where you sit. Um, who watch online like you are, who attend like you do. I want you to hear from them and how this has proven to be true in their own lives. Uh, during the pandemic over the last several months, I, I've received a few emails that have um, kind of been a, a testimony, if you will, a personal testimony that what I'm talking about here is true, unsolicited from people. But there are two emails in particular that I want to kind of give you some highlights from. And I ask permission, and we're going to keep the names anonymous, but I want you to hear from individuals just like you. I mean, during the pandemic, and it was actually several months ago, earlier on in the pandemic, where things were much worse than they are now, just around us and even financially, and a lot more uncertainty, and I'm so glad that things are getting better. But this was back when it was really, really dicey. I got a couple of emails. Let me just share a couple with you. Here's, here's the first one. This individual says, During the pandemic, you asked for people who could to give 20% more to help out for those who wouldn't give what they normally do. And we did that. We asked people. Um, we, were, we were very honest with people and saying, Listen, we have took a pretty big hit during the pandemic, as every organization did in all churches that I'm connected to and pastor friends experienced very much the same kind of thing. And we were open and honest with you because a lot of people were asking, how's the church doing? How's the church doing? And we said, well, we're running 20, 25% uh, behind. Some people have lost jobs. A lot of people just cannot give as they're used to giving. So some of you actually could give more. Some of you may be able to help us fill that 20% shortfall by increasing your giving. And that's what this individual is referring to during those moments when we did that. So it goes on. He said, we increased our tithe the following month by 20%. But as time wore on, I started thinking, well, when should we take it back down to our normal level? I mean, that's a common, common thing to think. I can understand why I would think that. So I asked my grandfather that question and was reminded of something that I should have already known. Listen to what Grandpa said. He said, whatever you do, just remember that you can't outgive God. Stop right there. Let that soak in. You cannot outgive God. That's what Jesus was saying. Given, it's going to be given to you. And, and you're going to reap what you sow, but you always reap more than you sow. And it's not always things that money can measure and money can buy and money can qualify and describe. It's coming back to you. That's what his grandpa was saying. You can't outgive God when God gets ready to give to you. Another way of looking at it, I heard an old timer one time say, Listen, when you shovel to God, he's going to shovel it back. The difference is God's got a much bigger shovel than you and I do. You cannot outgive God. And then he finishes. So we decided to leave the elevated tithe in place and just adjust to the new normal. Fast forward several months, and I have received a promotion and raise that I wouldn't have guessed would be a possibility a few months ago. In true God form, it was much more than expected. Isn't that incredible? 
That was his experience. Now, am I telling you that you're going to get a raise, that you're going to get a promotion and all that? No, I don't know how God's going to give it back to you. I don't know how God's going to bless you, but he will. He promised that he will. And I don't know when it's going to happen. Just like this individual had no idea, but aren't they so glad that they found out? Don't you want to know? Let me, let me share one more with you. Here's another individual that says, if people are hesitant to give, well, how did they know? How did they know that you were going to be here? <laughs> if people are hesitant to give, I would tell them that Jesus recommends we do many things because he loves us and he knows that doing those things actually help us. And he's right. And he goes on. Many of the things Jesus recommends are hard to do. And he's right again. They are sometimes very challenging to do. But listen to what he said. But giving is actually pretty easy to get right. This has never created a hardship in my life. Listen to what he's saying. He's not saying he's never had hardship. He's saying he's never had financial hardship. He said in his experience, it's just his experience. Giving has never created the hardship. And I've heard that over and over and over and over and over again. I've experienced it in my own life. And look at this. All I can tell you is that God actually blesses me more financially and otherwise in ways that money cannot measure. All I can tell you, and I can't explain it. This is what he's saying. I can't explain it and it doesn't always add up. But it comes back. Exactly what Jesus said is true. What you do comes back to you. That is so true when it comes to giving. It's transformational. And don't you want to know, and don't you want to find out how God wants to transform you through giving? It's transformational for your life and in your life and for other people as God works through you in ways that you never imagined, and then you begin to experience how God wants and what God wants to do for you and in you. It just simply comes back. Don't you want to know? Don't you want to experience? It is my prayer and my desire as your pastor, humbly, to invite you into that experience and honor God through your giving and just experience what God wants to do in your life. Let's pray. Father, you know us so well. You know me so well. You, you know, as human beings, we want to be blessed. I mean, who doesn't want to be blessed with good things, with more good things, even financially? And you promised that the principle would work for us in our lives, that what we do comes back to us, and that when we give, it's coming back to us. Now, you didn't say how. You left it open. Sometimes it's financial things. Sometimes it's things much more important and much more precious than anything money can buy. But you promised it would come back to us and that it would transform who we are and how we live and how we think. Father, we want to experience what you want to do for us. We want to experience what you want to do in us. So may we open ourselves up to experience what you want to do through us to set that into motion and trust you. Just honor you financially and trust you with the results 
Father, thank you for how you have taken care of me and Donna and our family through the years. Thank you that you have given us the strength and the grace to see time and time again just how faithful you are. Father, it is, it is not of anything on my own. It is all your grace. And now I ask you to do the same thing for my friends that have gathered here and that are watching online, for my brothers and sisters, the ones who are skeptical, the ones who are in need, the ones who are afraid and in fear, and the ones who are excited. May you do for them, and I believe you will, what you have done for me. In Jesus' name. Amen.